Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast. That's Megan. I'm Rudo. That is AJ. Uh, we are here. We're in Studio B. AJ's in Studio C, which is a.k.a. Canada. Uh, that's, that's why we call it Studio C. Yeah, exactly. Adds up, all right? Math works out sometimes like that. Uh, obviously, the big news of yesterday, uh, Ross Colton deciding to sign his contract 10 minutes after our podcast ended yesterday. So we get to talk about it on today's show. Uh, it's a 4 by 4 million dollars. Some people would call that a David Jones money. Uh <laughs> Initial thoughts, Megan. I know yesterday none of us were really concerned about him having not signed yet. Now that you see the deal, how do you feel about it? Well, I can't help but feel like it was a little bit rich because it's just not what I anticipated. The high end for what I was guessing was around 3.5. So it came in just a little higher than I expected. And with four years, that's decent term as well. So I, yeah. I thought one of those two things might have been smaller. But overall, and especially having time to think about it, I think because it's four years especially, I feel good about it because I think it's a contract that he's meant to grow into in a way. I think they have this idea in mind for what the high-end upside is for Ross Colton that they're hoping he can reach in years two, three, four. And that being said, I would even draw a comparison to Carter Rahegi out of Florida. And that's a bit bold at the moment. I think this is where he could grow into it really comes into play. But both of these players, their projection was similar. And then with more opportunity for Hagee, it just became prolific for him in Florida and with the heightened opportunity as well. And it's given me then pause and I've reflected on what Ross Colton's role in Colorado is then going to be. And that's where I'm expecting it to actually be something of an upgrade and a promotion. I think they plan to use him above a third line capacity in the near future. I think that's part of his plan and why that price point comes in at the four mil AV, AAV, AAV, the way that it did. And I think that's why, I think that's where they're going with it. And if there is Carter Vihigi upside in Ras Colton, then it's excellent. And I think that it could be there. I think this is a team that has scouted players that they want on this team, that they see a fit for pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the hope for Ras Colton. Even though I think in this first year there's going to be some growing pains and maybe some immediate reactions that find it to be a little high, I think we'll feel better about it in year two and beyond. Yeah, I mean, I think it is high. I I don't think there's any argument around that based on what you have to go on from his career. But I, I do think, look, the Avs, certainly professional scouting has earned the benefit of the doubt here. And I'm willing to trust how they have gauged this and what they reasonably expect out of Ross Colton in Colorado. But AJ, you haven't been on in a bit. What are your thoughts on it? Um, I mean, I think I agree with most everything that Megan said, especially the Carter Verhage call out, which uh, if you look at what Carter Verhage had done immediately prior to getting paid $4 million, it wasn't very much. Um, Ross Colton actually has a more extensive track record than what Berghagi had done at the time. Uh, but he's not the only one. You also look at uh, you look at what Lawson Krauss um, has, has produced and the contract that he signed. Every Avs fan under the sun has been tweeting at us for the last 12 months or so for the Avs to trade for Lawson Krauss. Um, Anthony yeah. Beauvillier is another guy that... Yeah. Has a, a has a has a four million dollar contract 
and only just had a his first ever 40-point season in which he had 40 points. So uh, I do think I do think that it's uh, you look at it and you say the combination of him uh, given given what he's done uh, is it maybe a little bit high? Yeah. Uh, do you feel like there's a good chance that he's going to be able to live up to it? Just given that uh, the 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 time on ice is so likely to go up in in Colorado. I mean. Yeah. You're you're talking about he he averaged twelve twenty one of ice time last year. Like that's that's like Alex Newhook's ice time. <laughs> like I, I I have a hard time believing that they went out and got this guy and they're gonna play him like that. Um, I think he's probably gonna get closer to the fourteen or fifteen minutes a night. Um, and I think that we're going to see. Because right now, especially uh, right now, before we know kind of how they round out their roster, the real strength on this roster is uh, at the fort at the in the forward core is really its top nine. Um, until until we kind of know what what's happening with that fourth line and how it ends up getting constructed. Yeah. Um. I just I think that uh, I think that I, I think that uh, the the general feeling yesterday of yeah that was a little more money than most all of us were expecting but not so much more that you're looking at it saying oh my god like what what is this um but it does it does raise the the bar of expectation for him to say okay he needs to he needs to have a little better year than the one that he just had in tampa bay it needs to be just a little bit better than that it needs to be a little more productive than that and you know, he he. I, I think the Avs have in mind a bigger role for him than what he had in Tampa Bay, and certainly a more consistent role. And I think that they also paid a little bit of money, saying, "Hey, we think we think you're going to be a guy for us." I'm I'm curious about a couple of things here. One, uh, what does a bump in production look like for Ross Colton? Because this is a goal scorer. He had 22 goals his first year in Tampa Bay. It, Goal scoring comes more or less a one-to-one ratio for him to his assists. Is that, are we talking about a guy who with more ice time with a bit of power play time could push for a 30 goal season? Or is this a, Hey, he's probably more like a 20, 25 assists guy. For a total of like, like 40, 40 to 45, 45 points. Yeah. Some like, you know, maybe best case scenario, he ends up on a second line and gets more than that, but I don't know how realistic that is. I feel like it's pretty realistic just looking at JT Confer's last season and with a little more opportunity, the spike in production. I also think it's a good perspective to hold in seeing what JT Confer was paid and then looking at what Ross Colton was paid and a couple years younger. I think that is sort of where I can really live with this. And I don't think a 45-point season is outside the realm of possibility just because I do anticipate a spike in production I feel they are really looking to put the talent alongside Colton that is necessary to help activate that. And I think that even with JT Comfer, like a lot of the scoring, I think, came from some opportunities on the power play. Just it's so prolific. If if he gets time on PP1, the way that JT Comfer did at times, yep. I think that it's going to be a natural bump there. But I think five on five production for us, Colton, is where we're seeing like, all right, I think 20 goals is within reach for this player already. Then you account for a little bit of a bump on special teams with power play minutes, maybe elevated opportunity. I definitely think it's feasible. Okay. Yeah, I think I think uh, any any talk of thirty goals is probably putting the cart before the horse a bit there. Um, it's fair. So I would say I would say we should probably temper those expectations. Um, but I also I would also say that Ross Colton Ross Colton's good enough. Um, and look, I again I've I've been biased about this deal since the second it was made, as a big time Ross Colton fan. Um, I think that there's a possibility that he is your Ryan Johansson two C insurance and maybe your two C replacement in two years. Um, if things don't go well with Rijo, then. Uh, you know, you you look at you look at Ross Colton maybe being the guy that that jumps up there, and I think that it's a 
it's a it's a real possibility here that he's going to end up uh, kind of kind of like what Arturi Lekkanen is right now, where uh, he signed his contract at four and a half million, and you were like, yeah, I don't know, like. He was so good in that playoff run that none of us gave a shit when it happened. <laughs> but just given his track record, we should have put him on that list of guys too. Guys that hadn't had uh, the big offensive breakout when they signed for the deals that they did. Um, and and I think it would also be fair. Lekkanen's an interesting guy too because it's also fair to say if he wasn't stapled next to Nathan McKinnon, would he produce 50 points? Because I think the answer is no. But... With a guy like Colton, you're you're looking at him and saying, okay, is he going to? Can he drive play uh, a little bit by himself? For sure? yeah. yeah, and and can he can he be uh, uh, the middle guy on a second line if you need if you need be with with if Johansson and his injury issues continue to crop up, could could he be that second uh, could he be that second line center that? They can run a little bit of offense through that, you know, next to a Nachushkin or a Rantanen, you know, whatever, whatever combination of guys that they wanted to uh, to put there. I think uh, I, I see so much upside here from a lot of different angles that I just feel like it's expensive on day one. But you probably could have said something similar for Devon Taves's deal when he signed it, where it was like four point one. Is he really that guy? And then the abs gave him opportunity he never had before, and he exploded. Worst, yeah. And now, now he's going to double that money. He's going to double that money next year. Um, I don't know if Ross Colton is. I don't know that he has quite that kind of upside. Um, and if he is just a hard, uh, a hard three C for Colorado, I think that 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 hurts the value of this deal. I know everybody's favorite argument is, yeah, but the cap is going up and the cap is going up. But if you make that argument for every deal, eventually you're still losing value. An an overpay is still an overpay (laughs) regardless of the cap. And Um, if he, the other, the other, the other aspect of this is that if he does not stay at center, if he's, if he ends up becoming a wing and moving around, he, the, the value of this becomes very closely tied to, okay, now he has to score 25 goals. Well, so that's the conversation I wanted to get into because you kind of painted this picture of, hey, maybe a world where Ryan Johansson doesn't work out as 2C, Colton steps up. I can definitely see that. But what happens in a world where Rijo is playing well? Do they consider moving Colton up to the wing? Do they try Rijo on the wing with Colton as the, as the 2C? You know, obviously this is going to depend on if someone in the top six is out or maybe the Druin experiment doesn't work or whatever, are we looking more and more towards Colton being a direct replacement for JT Comfer? Oh, I feel the versatility is in part why they were willing to part ways with both Rodriguez and Comfer because these were qualities they both brought to the table. And Rodriguez, seeing the money he, in term he got in Florida is actually so similar. It's like this must have been part of it is they were hoping to sort of replenish some of those qualities of both those players in Ross Colton. And because of the pay and the term is why I think we are going to see that at points this season, he will get second line opportunity and it might not even necessarily be brought about by injury. I think they just want to give him looks there and see what it, what it's like. Yeah, fair enough. The other side of this, and I, I really don't know what to expect on this. Are they going to try him on the PK? Are the abs going to send it and just say, Hey, you can win face offs. Let's see if you can do the rest of this. That they should. I mean, right? Because right now, you look at you look at the the, the PK and you say between Lekkinen, between Nachushkin, uh, Cogliano, and LOC, you've got PK forwards you like, but None you of them also have though. <laughs> you have four guys who are going to get their shit rocked in the faceoff circle. So, um, and and we've talked about you know faceoffs so like those are the ones that those are ones you want to win. You want to win ones on penalty kills. You want to hey these are a free. 20 to 30 seconds that you've just killed because you just won the face off and cleared the buck. So you, um, you do, I, I would say, yeah, more than, more than I would be willing to try Ryan Johansson. I would like to see if Ross Colton can handle a PK job because, um, that at the moment they don't, they don't have a guy that you can 
Like, like you can run anybody out there to lose a face-off. If you're fine with that, you're fine with that. But if you want to at least give yourself a competitive opportunity to win it, then I think Colton is the guy that you're squarely looking at and saying, okay, that's we want to we want to start every penalty kill with Roth Colton and Arturi Lekkinen. One, two, three, go. Sure. A little bit of stability in the lineup, I do think would help. And I think it's one of the question marks that is left because <laughs> AJ, you were talking about as the fourth line, who are Colton's line mates going to be on the third line? Yes, you can put LOC up there. Yes, you can put Cogliano up there. Personally, I'd like to see a little bit more skill around a guy, if you're, especially if you're asking him to be a 20 goal scorer for you. You know, I don't know if Druid makes a ton of sense down there. We know the defense can be a liability, but can the Avs find a way to put a little bit more talent around Colton and avoid some of the complaints that we heard all too often when Newhook was there? I think it's a necessary adjustment because I think overall production for the team, when you look outside of Ranton and McKinnon's last year, was down last year. And I think that's something they're looking to find a resurgence in, even in the third line capacity. And that's why LOC for that third line is maybe not what I'm quite sold on. It's just not his toolkit specifically, though. You'd like to see the finish. You are looking for something more reliable than to accompany Ross Colton and Miles Wood because you do need somebody that has that finishing touch. And this was honestly why I think Newhook was demoted the times that he was because he was supposed to be that and he was struggling for with sure. confidence. And so I think that's where they really need to find the supporting talent necessary because it directly addresses a very real problem of last season. Yeah, I, I do wonder... Would I think obviously a little bit of less offensive upside than Colton, but another guy who leans a little bit more towards scoring goals, just not sure how the abs are going to end up balancing the lineup. So we'll see, I guess is, is my conclusion there. Uh, the other side of this, the $4 million, they do still need to figure out what they're doing with Ben Myers. Has this changed your thoughts at all on the abs signing at least one more guy? because I still think they need to and honestly in seeing them invest in Ross Colton and Miles Wood the way that they have I have no doubt that they're then going to want to invest in whoever plays alongside these two but it has limited what they're able to seek out at this time and that's where maybe the conversation about it being set in stone by camp is opened again that maybe there is opportunity in season to address this as well if the right fit just isn't there presently but I don't think they're going to stop. I think they're going to look for the right person there. Fair enough. AJ, same boat. Uh, yeah, I think, I think one more, well, certainly one more contract, uh, one more PTO, you know, whatever. Sure. Um, there, there are still guys, you know, we, 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 we've run through the list a bunch of times this summer already, but, yeah. um, there are still, there are still some people, um, that are out there on the market that, you could have a conversation about that you feel like these guys can help you. Um, these guys can help you in a depth role and and fit your identity and give you a little bit extra depth so that if you do have a forward injury, you aren't immediately like, okay, well, Frederick Olofsson's on your second line. You know, like you don't, like you want to, you want to, like you want there to be some steps before you got to get into that world. You don't want to just like put yourself there and live, live in it. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I do think it'll be interesting where they ultimately decide to go with it. And and again, the ways they can solve this problem are multiple for sure. Even if they don't go out and target a free agent, a trade down the line is something that they could, could go out and do. How injuries play out, especially I think through the first couple of months of the season will help set the roster a little bit more too. But, I would like to see some solid support at that level, at the third line level. And and I, maybe it does end up being Jonathan Drew, and I don't know. Maybe the Avs have a construction where they expect Colton to do the heavy lifting of defensively on that line, and it works. But I, I think it's just one of the things I'm looking for the most when we start to get into training camp and things like that, of how exactly this is going to look as far as their depth forward options go. Uh, on that note, though, we are brought to you by the folks over at Pins and Aces. You can get 
your golf apparel officially the DNVR golf apparel through them. You can use the DNVR code over at pinsandaces.com and get 15% off your order. Uh, they've got all sorts of great stuff, whether it be the shirts, the paints, the cleats, the DNVR golf towel, which is amazingly awesome. Uh, they also got things like the liquor stick and the beer sleeve, so you can bring your alcohol onto the course right in your bag, make life super easy and be the cool guy on the course, giving everyone all the alcohol. Uh, making uh, making the golf round a little bit more fun for everybody. So check them out at pinsandaces.com today. Again, be sure to use that DNVR code to get 15% off your order. And then we're also brought to you by the folks over at Bet365. They are one of the OGs of betting. They've been doing it over in Europe for a while. They're here in Colorado now. So get signed up today with code DNVR365, and you can get up to $200 in free bets. All you got to do, make that new account. Use the DNVR365 code over at Bet365.com or download their app. Uh, deposit a minimum of $10, and then you got to make a one $1 bet. And they'll give you $200 in free bets to mess with. Part I liked about this is it's just $200 in free money. It's not like, oh, you get $25 bet that you have to use in this way. No, they just give you like, here's 200 bucks. Go do whatever you want with it. You can bet it all on a million dollar long shot if you want. Go for it. I won a lot of money with a similar promotion <laughs> because I just did first goal predictions. And I just picked a couple and I picked Alex Newhook. And I won a lot of money. There you go. So you can divvy up that yeah, money. That's my recommendation. Easy money. Uh, I would not recommend doing that for the Australian Ice Hockey League, though, which you can uh, bet on at Bet365. Harder. Uh, those games are a little bit harder to predict, I would say. Uh, anyway, uh, they the, also actually another cool part. This is me nerding out for a second. Because they're European-based, they have a lot more esports you can bet on. So I can go bet on some Counter-Strike, and then the stream is just right there on Bet365. I can just watch the tournament. It's great. Right, look, they're just really good at what they do. Highly recommend you get in on this one. Uh, they have tons of different boosts and, and bonuses as well. Their parlay bonus can get you up to 70% bonus odds. Uh, so go check it out today if you haven't done it yet. You must be 21 or older, physically located in Colorado. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER today. Again, be sure to use that DNVR365 code with bet365. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Do we have the graphics ready? Oh, yeah, we do. Let's go. Super producer. <laughs> On that note, it's time for the top five presented by Bet365. Since we've been talking about Ross Colton's deal, I figured our top five today would be the top five best contracts currently on the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, starting with number five, another depth forward, Logan O'Connor. Is the upside massive on this deal? No. But you have a guy who is costing you a million dollars, providing you very consistent work in your bottom six. I, it's really just one of the more cost-efficient deals that the Evs have in their lineup right now. And it, certainly from the team side, it was good business signing LOC to this deal. Um, number four, we have... I, I'm certain I'm going to miss some and y'all are going to be mad. But number four, I have Alexander Georgiev. Uh, after that first year, it sure looks like the Avs have a rock-solid starter for under $4 million for the next two years. Uh, you feel pretty good about it. AJ's like, I'd put him at number one. <laughs> uh, no, so I'd probably have him at two. thumbs down the video? They felt Georgiev's contract <laughs> yeah. is at number one. Uh, at three... I put Kale McCarr. I understand it's a lot of money. You're also paying arguably the best player at his position in the world under $10 million. So I think it's pretty tough to argue that one. Number two, Devontae's. Obviously, the current contract he's on is absurdly valuable for Colorado. Uh, he's outplayed it massively. You're paying a top 15, maybe top 10 defensemen in the game. Uh, less than $5 million. And then at number one, and people are going to be mad about this one, but that's okay. I put Jonathan Druin. I, one, because I think this contract has the potential to be one of the best dollar value to point ratios in the NHL if things go well. 
And two, if they don't go well, it essentially costs the Avs nothing because they got him on such a cheap deal that the contract is entirely variable if they want to. And that's why I think Drew's contract is the best on the entire Avalanche. I'm open for debate if you guys want to disagree or if you guys are, are in for the wild take, but AJ looks upset about it. No, dude. No, you have a top pairing defenseman making four million dollars. You have a you have a top you have a top ten goaltender making three million dollars. Jonathan Duran's deal is great, and I don't have a problem with it being on the list. But he is still entirely unproven, and there's a reason that he cost that amount of money. Like Kale Kale McCarr is probably the only guy on this list that I'm like, yeah, he's where he should be. I like I. Similarly. That's crazy to me. <laughs> that's crazy to me. Kid, did you know? I I was curious. Did you know Kale McCarr right now is the ninth highest paid defenseman? Yeah, that's why he's on the list. Yeah, I just think that that's hilarious because you know over the next few years he's gonna end up like fifteenth or sixteenth or whatever, and it's going to be very funny. But no, that's. Uh-oh. Jonathan Duran at one is ridiculous. Uh, A couple things here. I ranted and I did have it six for the record, Brady. He was on this list until I changed it. Uh, My question is, how many points would it take? I wanted to ask that, actually. (laughs) To get Jonathan Druid in the number one spot. Is 60? 50? I still don't know that, that it takes number one. We're talking about Uh-oh. goaltending two. And here's the perspective. Hey, okay. All league, right. <laughs> league wide that I'm looking at, there are so many teams that would pay ridiculous money for subpar goaltending at this point and are anchored to some really horrific contracts. I mean, even just looking at Detroit taking a chance on Huso, like yeah. that didn't age super well. And this was around the same time that the Avs were looking at that as an, I, w- I shouldn't say they were looking at it. I don't actually know that, but it's like, that was an option on the goaltending market and they took a big squeeze on Georgiev and look how well that has paid off. Yeah. I, yep. So, so I think Polster, you could probably make an argument for it. Megan's Megan's point here, Alexander Georgiev, the 32nd highest paid goalie in the league right now. That's <laughs> a top 10 statistic. Making, <laughs> make, making less money than Chris Dreger. <laughs> Oof. I think we could see Drew in like with a 60-point season in the three spot. Uh, at 60 points, you only have him at three. Oh, God. All right. Just burn the list at that point, no, I guess. No, no. It's just like <laughs> Devon Taves exists and Georgiev. And, and, like, I, and I get the Devon Taves argument. I definitely think you can make an argument for him at number one. I put him at two in part because this stops being a thing for Devon Taves next year. I know. It's already sad. He's yeah, getting Devon, paid. Devon Taves, though, is the fourth highest paid defenseman on the abs. <laughs> That's why I had him at two. Like he's and he's a top like fifteen defenseman in the NHL, and he's the fourth highest paid guy at his own position on his own team. Like I, whatever you're wrong about this. <laughs> I like the fun though. Well, I can tell you did it for fun. It was fun. I I enjoyed myself with it. <laughs> Uh, again, that was the top five presented by Bet365. Go bet on Jonathan Drew and have a 60-point season if you're a believer in Rudo. It's okay. I know none of you are. You can bet on... I think Jesse would like this take. I think he would like it. I don't know that he'd agree with it. <laughs> he wouldn't. <laughs> Just to be contrarian. Uh, second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Did we have anything else we wanted to talk about with Colton before we wrap up that conversation? See two people shaking heads. Okay. Uh, I do think, uh, as not not about Colton, but I, I Ben Myers thing continues to be interesting to me because the last two guys that I can remember, and I'm probably wrong, I'm probably just forgetting some along the way, but the two guys that I specifically remember who were extended qualifying offers, did not sign qualifying offers, and ended up signing them much later in the off season, um both got traded that same year in AJ Greer and Shane Bowers. So I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of curious, like what the holdup here is. Like, is this an argument over AHL money? Is Ben Myers like, 
bitch, why am I even in? Why am I even talking about <laughs> AHL money? I should be in the NHL. Like, 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 I'm curious, like, where where this is going and what this might mean for their relationship. Not to like poison that well and just get people going in there, but just looking at recent Avalanche history and and just being kind of curious about it and being like, I wonder. I you know I I do wonder where this goes because um like ben this this certainly wasn't ben myers's plan when he signed in colorado yeah and and the thing is myers has no leverage at all in this situation right yeah i'm sure given that he hasn't signed i'm sure if he was eligible he would have elected arbitration if he could have um <laughs> but good luck man four goals i yeah, I was going to say, even that, like, statistically, that I don't know that that helps. In weird ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah have, like, the, specific they, footage. <laughs> yeah, ben, well, ben, they're going to be like, okay, so he scores in our third game of the season, and then he scores three goals in the last four games of the season. Where were you in between, my guy? <laughs> and it's a bit of a situation where I don't know how to feel about it, like as far as the angles coming into it. Because on the one side, you have this. Ben Myers has no leverage. He has nothing. Basically, the Avs can offer him a contract and say, that take it or leave it. And his uh, option to leave it is to either not play hockey or get an agreement to go to Europe or something. And on the other side of that, you have Ben Myers, who actively chose to come to Colorado as a college free agent. Did he just overestimate his ability to make the lineup? Is this something not related to him wanting out of Colorado? I don't really know. Is there any insight there? Not specific to Myers, other than I do think there is some amount of promises made, promises kept, and maybe just some wanting assurance for what opportunity lies ahead for him next season, especially with another influx of college free agents that were signed in this last year with a few being forward prospects. It's like, I do wonder if I'm Ben Myers and I, I don't know, like with Sam Paranta taking off, I, I just wonder if Ben Myers is feeling some type of way about the opportunity and wanting to get clarity on it. Um, I don't, I'm not immediately jumping to any nefarious conclusions, but I do find it interesting because like AJ mentioned, the minute I realized that he hadn't accepted the QO like yesterday on the pod, I said, wait a minute, hasn't that day come and passed? I thought of Shane Bowers and I knew how that story ended. Granted, there was a lot more that preceded it that was to take into account. So I'm not there in Shane Bowers territory with Ben Myers, but I would have some concerns that I'd want alleviated if I was him. Okay. Fair enough. I, yeah, I, mean, I don't have an argument. Ben Myers, Ben Myers was the not just the top college free agent, but was considered like one of the best undrafted college free agents in a decade. Colorado getting him was a massive surprise around yeah. the NHL. Like he had he had upwards of 20, 20 offers. Uh, teams had been chasing him for multiple years, had offered him ELCs when he was still at Minnesota and he kept turning it down. Like I'm saying like, this was not like a, like you look at a guy and this is not to denigrate the Sam Molinskis and the Andre Pavels and the Jason Polins of the world, but those guys probably had a handful of offers, you know, a bunch of teams might've been interested, might've talked to him, but when it came time to actually put an offer and throw a contract in front of them, those guys usually have a couple teams, you know, three to three to six teams that are ben serious had about 32. That. Ben Ben Myers had 70% of the NHL after him. Yeah. He was very, very highly sought after. And that's part of what made last year such a disappointment for him. But also, I do also look at, we're look, we're talking about this, lot, this, this opening on the third line. And I'm just like, hey, I wonder. I wonder if you throw him on the left wing and you throw Miles Wood on the right wing and you throw Ross Colton in the middle, is that is that your answer? And on paper, you look at it, just given what Ben Myers did, and you say, well, that doesn't sound very good. <laughs> like, it, it seems like there's a lot of there's a lot of improvement for from a Ben Myers there. But I am I am holding out the the possibility that Ben Myers is he going into training camp. He is he's going to be one of my primary guys to watch 
because I think he has a ton on the line here. And I also think that he significantly outplayed the numbers that he produced last season. Um, I, I think that he is, I, I, I think he was, I, I think he was, you know, four feet of collective good bounces away from having a 10 goal season and us not having a conversation like this at all. And that's, that's where I'm like, you know, I'm, I guess, I guess for me, I'm, I'm, there isn't any good reason, but I'm buying Ben Meyer stock right now as that's a guy I'm keeping an eye on who I think process wise did a whole lot of really good things. And when every time he was down with the Eagles, he looked, he looked really good and he looked like he was like, Hey, this is one of their better forwards. And, um, so I, anyway, I'm, I don't mean to derail everything. I know we have a lot of other things to get to. I just, I guess it's just been on my mind lately of Ben Myers and this whole QO thing continues to be interesting. I I think he's like, Hey, look, I didn't sign here to, to, to do this yo-yoing thing. I'm here to be on your NHL team. Put me on that team. I'm going to do something. So I, I think he should be on the NHL roster ahead of Frederick Olofsson for sure. Uh, but that's just me. I, I feel that a hundred percent. I I would agree, but. We'll see how the abs feel about it. Yeah, Olsen's loud. Yeah, no oh boy, no oh boy. Uh, well, the guy, the guy that Evan keeps talking about is Andre Pavel, and when what, what we saw at the uh, at development enough. camp in the game. I, well, and what you saw, I I kept telling Rudolph, I was like, he looks like Anton Bleed to me, except he <laughs> plays center. Like he's big, he's physical, he forechecks, he attacks pucks, he does all these little things that Jared Bednar is absolutely going to love. But the second he actually gets hold of the puck, he completely falls apart. He's no, and so I'm like, yeah, it's straight up. Like it's, I'm like, Oh my God, it's, and it's Anton bleed. I'm terrified of that guy right now. So hopefully he has a good training camp. (laughs) Uh, You did bring up that third line winger role, which will bring us to the top of my prospect pyramid that we're going to talk about here. I'm uh, so ready. For the record, the whole point of a prospect pyramid is so I don't have to rank all these by number so you guys don't get mad at me because I put Devon Taves at two and Georgiev at four. I can just put them all <laughs> in the same tier and you guys can't yell at me, all right? I do have one question. Uh-huh. Was there an age cutoff? Uh, 24 was you most years we do 23, but because of Kovalenko and Malinsky, okay. we, we kicked it up to 24 and also 15 NHL games or less. That's why it um, it. Yeah. He does not slander. Make, he does not make the <laughs> this mission hurts me, but I understand. I'm not saying he can't make the NHL. He just doesn't fit on this prospect. No, pyramid. that's fair though. 25 is uh that is an age. You're of starting a man. to get up. There yeah. That's that the point. age of a man. Yep. Uh, the age of a man. Well, Malinsky's <laughs> turning 25 this month, so I was like, Ooh, you barely made the yeah, cutoff, right. my boy. Exactly. Uh, at the top, I put Nikolai Kovalenko. Look, I think of all the players I put in the second tier, you could probably make an argument for almost all of them to be the Avs' top prospect. But I'm taking Kovalenko at the top because his proximity to the NHL in the sense of if he signs a contract, he will be in the NHL the next day. And the Evs yeah. don't really have a prospect that projects as a star in the NHL. They have a bunch of guys. Sure, you look at a, a Guyev, maybe even a Barons, a Richie. Maybe they project higher than a Kovalenko, but they're also a little bit further away from the NHL than Kovalenko. So this is why I have Kovalenko at the top. Obviously, as of... April of this year, he will be off of the pyramid entirely, either because he's in the NHL or because he resigned in Russia and is never coming over. So <laughs> he won't be up there for very long, but we'll see how it goes. I I have a quick question about Kovalenko for the two of uh-huh. you. If he goes out and has like a 20 point season in the KHL, would you still sign him? Yeah. What was it? It's 20 points? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think he'd be too tempted, if not, to just continue on in the KHL. And I think he has shown well enough prior to this hypothetical 20-point season to take a chance on that. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I guess context matters a little bit. You know, if he's playing 22 minutes a night and he only scores 20 points in 60 sure. games, you're like, okay, what is going on? Are there injuries? Yeah. And yeah. honestly, that's immediately where my mind would go is that maybe he was playing through something. True. But yeah, I think he's built a, a pretty good body of work in, in the pro league over there. And the thing with Kovalenko is like, yes, the, the production is great. It's fun to watch him be that guy in the KHL. But the reality of his role in North America, yeah, he needs to produce some. You're probably hoping he's a 30-point guy in the NHL. He's going to play a depth role for you, much sim- more similar to what he did in his first few years in the KHL of a guy who hunts pucks, gets in, runs into stuff, makes chaos happen more than an elite producer. So... Yeah, obviously, if it, things fall off a cliff, you have to look into it. But it's something I would be less worried about with Kovalenko for the most part. Um, the second tier of this list, I I kind of divided it right down the middle because on the left, I have three guys in the AHL who I think are a little bit closer to that NHL role. In fact, I would not be surprised if all three of those guys got NHL games this year. And then on the right, I have some of the more higher end projected prospects in the ab system. Yeah, obviously everyone knows I love Guliev, but you still have Barons there. Uh, and then Cal Ritchie, as much as I don't like him is you can make the argument that he's the abs best forward prospect. So I, I guess I'm curious on the left side, do you see any of these abs graduating and on the right side, what do the paths to the NHL look like? Graduating. Full time? Are we looking at? Let's say, do any a of them Malinsky get NHL debut? I, I'm expecting that. I'm saying, do any Same. of them get 20 plus games in the NHL this year? That's a little hard for me to imagine. One, because the Eagles have not resolved goaltending. If the plan is for you to like be third string with the Avs in any capacity, um, so I think they're still counting on him being the starter, and. Hopefully something doesn't go grievously wrong with Franco's and Georgiev to warrant 20 games for at an end. But for what it's worth, I think people have soured on him a little bit, and I don't think his decline, I'm putting it in quotes from last season, is really anything to get worried about. Um, one, I don't think it was really a decline. I think it's very comparable to the year before. Yeah. But with the added context that the Eagles had, like, 53 players. ECHL team playing defense? Yeah, it was... <laughs> It was honestly really scary. And so I actually think he did very well, all things considered, and seemed more confident and sure of himself. And the adjustment to North American ice felt evident. Like I felt like he had really shaken that part off from the year before and was so much more comfortable. Um, So anyways, I'm still high on him, but I'm not sure I'm ready to say 20 games for Eustace. Fair. Similarly with Foodie, I think he showed really well in his nine games, but I think that they... There are parts of his identity as a player, like what he would need to be to be in the Avs lineup, that he, he needs to do more consistently first before they would feel comfortable with 20 games. Fair Linsky, enough. I think, is in a similar place, but it's because I think they need reliability on the back end. Like I think they don't like to take lots of chances there, and I think that's why we see Brad Hunt coming back this year and that is probably who they're going to feel more comfortable in that role but I think Malinsky gets in games because I think they'll want to see how he shows at the NHL level I just can't say 20 if he shows well maybe he gets to 20 maybe like, well, so I still think they'll keep him around kind of a seventh man capacity so he's sure. still probably not getting in a lot of games but I could see him making a case for that seventh man role Sometimes you got to be positive about these things. I would love to. I am such a big Malinsky advocate. I want him to be in 82 games. Okay, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's too much. Uh, yeah, I think um, I think Sam Malinsky probably plays 20 games this year for the Avs. I love um, that. I, I, think that, I think that he's the reason why they are not going out and trying to get another defenseman. I think that they're going to look in training camp and they're going to either say, yep, Sam Malinsky is what we're after, uh, or they are going to uh, farm the waiver wire in preseason and wait for the next Patrick Nemeth slash Mark Barbario type to, to shake loose. Um, but I think it's I think it's Sam Malinsky's job to lose um, because I think that 
his showing with the Eagles, um, but also what, what we saw at Dev Camp when they actually played the game and watching the way that he played. It was watching watching him live, kind of in, even in that setting, that extremely low pressure four v four setting. Uh, felt the same. I got the same feeling watching him that I did watching Tanner Mullendyke when we were watching kids leading up to the draft. He just feels like an abs defenseman. What he does really well, the way the way that he reads the game, the way that he aggressively attacks in the neutral zone. The guy's just an av. And I think that uh, uh, I think that if his defense can hold up, and that if he can if he can get through that part of things, uh, if he can handle the the his own zone, I think he's I I, I think there's a good chance that uh, he smokes 20 games and he you know he plays 60 or whatever, and that um, he ends up being one of the surprise rookies of the NHL. I I just I am so very excited for what he does well um and how it fits on colorado's blue line that you know and maybe this is just classic summer kool-aid drinking when you're bored and you've got nothing to do you can just talk yourself into shit happening but i think i think molinsky is legit like i'm i'm very excited about sam molinsky this year when I talk about promises made, promises kept, I think Molinsky is one that I don't want to say promises were made specifically, but I think his choice to come to Colorado compared to other organizations where the path to the NHL might have been more obvious is for a reason. And I think there's a lot of belief not only in himself, but from the organization. And I just want to echo what you're saying, AJ. I think that belief is not unfounded. The transition from college to pro play was so quick and pretty seamless. I think he has an actually good defensive foundation to work from. That's obviously the area to improve on most because offensively is where he leaned on as a skill and a talent. His vision in the offensive zone was something that he has brought into his game in Colorado with the Eagles, and you saw it at work in the offensive zone. But I think he has good habits already there defensively that I think this is an area he can take another step forward and I already think he is a good skater, but I think he's working to get better so that he can match the speed and the pace even more so that Colorado likes to play. And this is all to make him the perfect prototype player that the apps want from him. All right. Well, put down the Kool-Aid, pick up some beer, get yourself some Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR for the summer. Uh, they got tons of different summer beers, the Palisade Peach, the Mountain Beach Sour, the uh, Strawberry Sky, always a classic. You can get your Breck Brew at your local liquor store anywhere in the 50 United States. Uh, go check them out, breckbrew.com. Use the beer locator there to find it near you. And, of course, if you're local, just come on down to the DNVR bar. We got eight different kinds on tap here at the bar for you to try. Check them out. Go look at their merch at breckbrew.com, too. They have a bunch of awesome stuff there. Also brought to you by the people over at Bacchus & Shanker. If you do pick up a beer, don't drive. But uh, if you do have the unfortunate issue of running into someone who has done something like that, Bacchus and Shanker can get you what you deserve when you call 222-2222 today. If you've been in a car accident, even if it's a rideshare situation, maybe something happened with the bajillion scooters that are downtown in Denver now, uh, even if you're injured at work, Bacchus and Shanker can work for you. When you call them or go to coloradolaw.net, they'll give you a free consultation. And if they think you have a case, they'll take your case on for completely free. You pay nothing until you win your case with Bacchus and Shanker. So you really have nothing to lose at all. You might as well give them a call at the two number. Uh, they're very good at what they do. They've won over a billion dollars for their clients. That's a billion with the B. That's more money than that's like a hundred times more money than I'm going to make probably like a thousand times more money than I'm going to make in my lifetime. So it's a lot of money. Uh, yeah, people, anyway, it's hard to fathom <laughs> yeah. how much money a billion dollars truly is. It's, it's nonsense how much money that is. Uh, check them out Two number coloradolaw.net. Get what you deserve with Bacchus and Shanker. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast as we can bring back the pyramid. And yeah, I've, I think we've talked plenty about Guliev and, and Richie. If you want my video on Guliev, you can find it on our YouTube channel, which like and subscribe, by the way. Um, this year is a lot about 
just kind of taking the next steps for guys like Richie, for guys like Barons, and honestly, the guys in the third tier as well. Ambrosio playing for a contract this year in the NCAA, and then you have four guys in the AHL in Olausen, Pavel, Poland, and Fairbrother, where I, I guess the question is it's time to find out who they are at this next level. Can an Olausen become a consistent scorer in the AHL? Can Fairbrother get back to being a quality defenseman after his injuries? And then obviously Pavel and Poland being uh, college free agents. How do they look at the pro level with a little bit of consistent ice time? <sighs> Realistically, what are the paths for these guys to the NHL? Can we see any of them this year? Or is this more of a, a two years down the road? This is when we start seriously considering them. It's a tough break for Oscar Lawson to be in that tier of player. And I actually, I'm not sure how to feel about it because I feel similarly to Cal Ritchie as I do Oscar Lawson. Like, Cal Ritchie can go the Oscar Lawson path. It's really dependent on how his pro years show. Definitely. And I think it's still a little premature for Oscar Lawson even. I know maybe there's some fear that it's there's a stagnancy, just like even starting with his final year of juniors through now, that he just quite has, hasn't taken that next step. And there's some context for it, too, with just this last season being such an unfortunate year of development for literally everyone involved, yep. including Samporanta, who's no longer here. Yep. But it, it affects Oscar Lawson in a similar way. And that's why I'm not prepared to like I would either move Oscar Lawson up a tier or put him in between a tier. But I'm not quite ready to to put him in this group of players who are still and honestly, Fairbrother might even like kind of be in the mixer. Fair he brothers some, down here more because I just don't know what to expect. That's totally fair. Um, but like those two, I'm like, I, I don't know what to make of those two just yet, but Oscar Lawson, especially just because of everything that he's projected yeah. to be. And honestly, there has been slight improvement in his game. We talked about um, how he could get caught puck watching in his own end and how he became more of a hunter for pucks. And this was something he was more consistently implementing in his game that I'd like to see carry into next season that I think his NHL debut was also cut short in a way, in part because I don't think he was playing quite at 100%, but also because of losing Evan Rodriguez. And so I think he's someone you can absolutely still expect to see get in NHL games, someone to be looking at in camp very keenly as well. Fair enough. I, I definitely think, certainly with the ceiling, there's sir, an argument to move him up a tier for sure. I do want to see how it develops this year, though. It's a big year for Oscar Lawson. And and here's the part where I make everyone sad with the fourth tier. Because, hey, I, I think there's an argument that Jeremy Hansel and Taylor McCarr were the two best players at Dev Camp. I still struggle with the path to the NHL. In Hansel's case, it certainly looks like he's going to end up going back to juniors for his overage year. I'm not going to call it a lost year. There's value there. But as far as him progressing to the next step in his career, I just don't think there's a ton that you can take away as a viewer from his junior. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, from his from another year of juniors for him. I would really like to see what he can do at the pro level and then reassess from there. Makar had a great camp. Okay, now he has to go prove it at the NCAA level, that he can be a, a, a legit guy down there, not just a, a third-line depth option for a team like UMass. Steinberg, another weird one, because I just don't know what is going on with him. Are they going to sign him? Like, is he actually going to get to play with the Eagles this year? What's going on? I don't really know. And then you have some some depth defensemen in Romain and Nishimnikov that I put in there because, hey, we'll see what they can do. <laughs> Is it because he's a great shot? I like. I have no frame of reference for Ishnikov. Look, he he, he has pro experience. He pro played experience, VHL. He played KHL. There has shot. to be no. at least something no. there, that, right? That's a fair call out. And I mean, how Romaine shows at Providence in his freshman year is going to be important. Yeah. I, I actually thought he was pretty solid in Dev Camp too. Another one that I feel like, all right, there's a foundation there, but he needs to have a couple more tools to be a dynamic defenseman yep. that he can still add. There's a lot of runway left to add that. But 
feeling really badly about Hansel in this tier just because of how much I liked him in dev camp. But the opportunity just isn't there. Like it's such a steal for the abs organization to be able to afford the luxury of like sending him to juniors for his over year. But a little bummed about it still. Cause I think he had a lot of pro polish already. He was probably the hardest person for me to place on this lift. He could easily be fair. up a tier. He could easily end up down a tier. I, I just don't know how the abs maximize him if they're going to send him back this year and then his role in the AHL, how much clear does it get next year? Does he even earn a contract? Like I just, there's just so many questions there for me. The player himself based on dev camp, I had given him an ELC and stuck him in the AHL right away. And if the abs had done that, he'd be up a tier for me. So I don't know. AJ, I saw you shaking your head a lot over there. Yeah. I mean, I just, uh, uh, Shimnikov doesn't belong in that tier. He should be a rung lower. Um, very nice of you to put Andre Bulyalski on this list at all. Um, very, yeah, I... Regenerates <laughs> of you, sir. Um, I do I, I do think the... Uh, I probably would swap uh, Hansel with Ambrosio. I think that's um, fair. Just because just Ambrosio, Ambrosio's a he's a senior who hasn't like made the big jump yet uh and like looked good at times at dev camp there were things to like it was fine but um with with hansel i think that it's there's excitement there but it's also i don't i I think he could have a pretty quick path to the nhl kind of kind of like an mlb when you draft a four-year senior college pitcher where you're like, you don't really need to spend a lot of time at these levels. You can go, uh, you can, you can, you can be a quick path uh, to the to the bigs. I think Hansel should be a quick path to the NHL. It's just with limited upside. I don't think he's gonna. I don't <sighs> think there's a lot of ceiling there. I just think that his game is mature. He's already such a smart player. Even if he doesn't <sighs> over a year, uh, this year this year, I I wonder if he is a. Uh, uh, I I wonder if like. You could see an NHL debut from that guy next season in 2024, 2025. I think that's the perfect world. I also know that this is the Colorado Avalanche and have watched them draft yep. overage Canadian juniors, leave them for a extra year in juniors, and then stick them in the ECHL, and then we never hear about them again. Yep. So, Also, Sean Barron's signing will complicate that math and make that job even harder for him. Yeah, And if Sam Molenski is legit, Sam Malinsky is legit, then Sam Malinsky is also in that math. So uh, there are some things there that I think um, could could present problems for him. I just, I really like his game. I, I think he's good. Um, one of the questions in chat, and he's asked a couple times, why is Bocage all the way down there? His best, uh, Alex Bocage's best skill is scoring goals. And uh, he has like 20 goals in two years. And... He has two major injuries that he suffered. Yeah. Um, like it's just the reality it, there is the injuries suck, but yeah, he doesn't get that development time back. That's just gone now. No. And, it's... and he's been, he's been really limited in Loveland as it is. He's yes. been a depth guy. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the questions about, can he play at pace at the pro level? Um, they, they haven't really been answered in his favor at this point. So um, he's a, he's a guy with two, two AHL seasons under his belt. And I don't, I I don't feel like he's anywhere. If you want to put that on the Eagles for not giving him opportunity, fair enough. But the fact remains that he just hasn't had the opportunity here. It's like, he's in Shane Dara's territory in being confined to their bottom six and not really getting elevated opportunity above that very often. But some of that has been, the Oscar Lawson, Ben yeah. Myers, and then the Maltzes, Kudans of, of yeah. the world, the Kiefer Sherwood, Dylan Sakura's like it just there's a balance that they've been trying to strike that I think came closer in this last year, but then injuries happened, and mm-hmm. so he's made improvements. I know we talked in the last period bit about his skating; it is still not. It's not his abs. Strength, it's definitely not abs level but it skating. But it is better. It is genuinely better, which is why I'm still bummed. Like he's still in this, but he's had two very serious injuries also in it's like the yep. season and the season before that. So there's a lot of reason why he's there, but I am sympathetic for him. 
Yeah, and like if you switch him into Shimnikov on this pyramid, do you feel any differently about him? No. No. It, it, well, and like I think Bokash has shown better than Jason Polin, but that's just sure. because I have little limited body of work for that player. Kind of similar story with Steinberg as well. I honestly view Steinberg and Polin as like very equal in my eyes in terms of prospect and my expectation that's for them. That's reasonably fair. But... I to, to to build off this point that Megan is making, I think you could combine tiers three and four, and I would be comfortable with that because I don't see the, I don't think there's a huge uh, I, I don't think there's a huge separation in most of those guys. Like I Gianni Gianni Fairbrother, I mean I I, I liked his dev camp and I'm I'm intrigued by him and everything, but I have absolutely no frame of reference. So I have no idea what where he fits the, into this puzzle. Yeah. Outside of Ambrosio, who's just a guy that I like that I, I put up in like, third we'll tier. I also fight to keep him there. I'm fine um, with that. But the other four dudes, the reason they're in the third tier and not the fourth tier is because all four of those guys are one step away from the NHL. They're all going to be in the NHL this year. If yeah. the Avs have another cataclysmic level of injury years, you will see these guys play NHL games. That's not the case with everyone in the fourth tier. It may be Steinberg. There's just so many. Like, I just don't know what's going on with his contract. I'm so. not sure either. Uh, yeah. There's just a few more question marks for me about the guys in the fourth tier. Maybe the path to the NHL is a little bit longer. The fifth tier is, is kind of everybody else. And I'm not saying these guys can't make it. Certainly the the new kid in Jelishka will just area. No, see. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, the realities of, of guys like Bocage and Miners, for whatever reasons, they haven't really had the opportunity to take steps forward. Is Bujalski even going to be in the NCAA next year again? Yeah. What what's what even happening is with a guy that does not go to dev camp is like, I, I don't even know. Like, are the abs just like, fuck, we're good. <laughs> no, thanks. Yeah, like I, it's such a what. Everything about like everything about Bulyalski was was weird from the moment he was drafted. It was like this is like a nineteen year old out of a country that doesn't produce hockey players, and he's going to play college hockey at freaking Vermont. And then he like he had major injury, and I don't know. Everything about Bulyalski has been so weird. Yeah. So I I don't know. I I really liked watching him skate though. He was. He was a really explosive skater. Uh, I talk about him like he's dead, like like in the past tense. I just, <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on with him at this point. It's a total mystery. Yep. And then you have Zhigalov, also a bit weird, who yeah. went home. Allegedly, he's going to play in the KHL, maybe. I don't know. Belarusian. <laughs> yeah, it's Leak. super weird. And then Shamil Shmakov, who's definitely a very real person that exists for sure. No, <laughs> it's this is just like the goalie tier, which is kind of unfortunate for Trent Meyer, who of these goalies, like actually didn't even have a bad year with the Grizzlies. He just got sentenced to the Grizzlies for another season. Yeah. Honestly, what blows my mind too is like with the Keith Kincaid thing, who will no longer be an option for the Eagles moving forward. Can Trent Miner just back up Eustace Anand in next year? I mean, I'm I mean, down to try it. <laughs> they've got Arvid Holm. Are so, you a believer? I, of Arvid Holm? Yeah. I, I would put him on the same caliber as Eustace Anand. Okay. They're, they're pretty much the same. Enough. They're pretty much the same age, and they've been similar caliber of AHL starters. So I like Arvid Holm. So I'm... I, I think that I'm a, I guess I'm, I guess it's just the summer of me drinking Kool-Aid, man. I don't know. Like, I, I just like him. I think he's, I think he's solid. Uh, you did, you did I, like uh, all of the Eagles moved. You liked Ashan too, so. Oh man, I love Jack Ashan. <laughs> I love Jack Ashan. Uh, anyway, that's my, my prospect pyramid feel free to tell me how I'm wrong about everything because I do. I, it's fine. I do like that your second, <laughs> I like that your second tier was split into guys that we can see this year. And then maybe they're actual top three prospects that yeah. we just, they're just not in pro hockey yet. 
Yeah. They, but you could make an argument for those being one, two, and three as your top prospects. So I've um, seen a lot of Sean Barron's erasure like around communities talking about prospects for Avs, and I just would like to remind everyone that Sean Barron's exists. He's good. It's it's so weird, these things that happen in fan bases where a guy has a really good freshman year and everybody like goes crazy. Should we sign him? Is he gonna be is he gonna make the team next year? Could he actually be the son of God? And then he doesn't <laughs> sign after a sophomore year and it's like So what's wrong? Is he bad? <laughs> and it's just like Whoa These are just extremes that we are going to here. Where I'm disappointed Sean Barron's is not a pro right now, but Go have a great year at DU, and then we'll see him at the end of the year. Yep. Sometimes the math isn't that complicated. Uh, I, I'm good. Anything else you two want to add? No? No? I'm good. All right. Uh, well, on that note, we are brought to you by Illegal Pete's. You can get your delicious burritos at 11 different locations here in Colorado. You can enjoy happy hour from 3 to 8 p.m., uh, I, is it going to rain again? I think it's supposed to rain again this week. I don't know. I, I give up on Colorado weather. Just when it's nice out. Yeah, you're either. Well, I, I say it's either hot here and then I look at Twitter and it's like, yeah, it's 150 degrees in the Persian Gulf. And it's like, oh, OK, so people are dying. It's not not my favorite time, but. Illegal Pete's is good no matter the weather. So get yourself some delicious burritos. Enjoy some margs for their happy hour. Uh, we appreciate all y'all hanging out with us on a Tuesday. Megan, it's you and Jesse tomorrow. Enjoy your show on Wednesday. AJ and I will be back Thursday. That's it. That's all I got. We're out of here. Talk to you on the next one.